Because of the length of the conversation, this episode was split into two parts. Here's part two of our conversation about the song, What a Beautiful Name by Hillsong Worship. And um, the beauty of the, our relationship too is you and I come from separately, very, very different churches, right? You know, you are a part, you are the campus worship leader at a simulcast church who you guys decide the songs you do and everyone does the same songs. Whereas in my uh, church, we have multiple campuses, uh, um, but well, my current church, but at the time of this airing, probably not current church anymore um, as I have moved. But at the time we have multiple campuses and we all do different songs, right? Because of the different culture at each church, right? We've got a, a, a church that is more traditional. So we're not doing the latest and greatest, super, super fast, super trendy, uh, they're doing more traditional, doing more hymns. They're doing more subdued. They never have a drummer. It's very stripped down. Another church is kind of a smaller venue, still full band-ish, but they're not doing also super trendy new stuff. They're doing a little bit more of the what's feeding their church right now, which is kind of in the last 10 years, 10 to 20 years. And then the main one, our main, the main campus, is doing more of the trendy stuff and a little more bells and whistles. But even then, there's still more care given to, you know, so it's... but. In, but, but in both instances, both of us care the same about the music, right? Even though we're at a different situation, we both care. And we can have a difference of opinion. And I said this in the episode about um, uh, the difference between there, there is a fountain and redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Just because you have a difference in opinion doesn't mean you break fellowship. Um, or maybe that was the other one. And either way, you don't break fellowship over a difference in opinion, right? Yeah. And so I look at that line, right? And so Nathan's kind of talked about, you know, it's not the the idea of the Lord of God sending Christ to us and bringing us back to his fold is it's that's very 99, right? One leaving the 99 to go to the one, right? And then as he does, scripture is very clear, Jesus's own words that all of heaven rejoices when the one is brought, right? To, you know, or the lady that finds the coin and then gets brings all of her friends together. I found my coin, which I still never get, but uh, and he said, "Is the same way all of heaven rejoices when one save, sinner is saved, right? So there is incredible beauty in 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 excitement and joy and fervor when a sinner is saved and brought back to the fold. And but my issue will always be in when your po- when a, a poetic piece takes." and extends more ambiguity than is healthy for our church to then have to deal with. Because like you're saying, your job is to unpack this stuff and think about it before you go on to Sunday morning and present it to your church. It's not their job. Now they should be like the Bereans who test everything, but that's not most of our congregates. So they're going to be listening to the music. And if you're at a church that has really amazing music, like Liberty does, it can be really easy to then be just kind of like, oh, that's really nice. You didn't want to move on us. Jesus, you brought heaven down. And right, they just, they just give me to the chorus, right? And, and they ne- never would have stopped to think what that means. And so my issue is with that. And then I extend it to this line where you have this, you have this specific word. So, which grammatically ties, you didn't want heaven without us. And you brought heaven down into this is a cause and effect always. Right. So it's you didn't want heaven without us. So, Jesus, you brought heaven down. And the problem is that there is that is not inherently not intrinsically or explicitly stated in any scripture that the reason for Jesus bringing heaven down, which is also still like an interpretation. Right. It's not. 
there isn't a, a there isn't a clear hey Jesus brought heaven down but it is you know Jesus coming down who is you know yeah I mean Jesus is the fullness of glory exactly. he's a, what yeah. we will worship in heaven so that's fine yeah. that's poetic and that's okay but when you go poetic poetic together as truth is what that that statement does with the cell of you didn't want heaven without us so Jesus you brought heaven down that's when I get that issue because there isn't a scripture that makes it clear that you didn't want heaven without us. It's he w- doesn't wish any to be lost. He there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Like God uh, in, loves to share His glory with those who He's created. Right? He was in perfect fellowship, and even Ben Fields I think said this, or one of the articles we were talking about said this. He was in perfect fellowship with the Trinity before, in in time eternity passed before He created man. But the purpose of creating man was so that man could share in His glory. And then he saves man because man was in sin. The penalty of sin is death and in separation from the Lord in that regard. And so he saves man so that man is no longer separated from his glory uh, in the good sense. And now he can share in it. Uh, and so that's that's the issue with the you didn't want heaven without us. But I think a lot of people have that issue. And I think to me, and you're a songwriter too, and Nathan's a fantastic songwriter, you, you have to be... Sp- clear about your lyrics and why be so clear in the rest of the song is the other thing why be so clear in the rest of the song and then in that line leave some ambiguity um and then i know they defended it which is which is fine but if i wrote a song that i thought was clear or maybe i didn't think it was i was like "Ah, i think it'll be good and then there's a huge hey i don't know if that's really that clear I would take that and go, maybe I need to be more clear as a songwriter. And that's, like I said, I'm not bashing Brooke and Ben. Uh, and maybe they thought they were being very, very, very clear. Um, but if you have a have a wider culture, and it's not because there, now there are some people that are bad apples being really mean about it, right? And bashing them because they're, you know, they're those types of people. And then there are people that are defending them because, you know, they love their music. But if a lot of well-meaning worship pastors and well-meaning pastors are sitting there going, I just don't, like, I don't know if I can put that before my church. To me, I would look at that and go, maybe I need to be a little bit more careful. Because I don't want to put it, if people are looking to us as the, (laughs) like, the the sojourners of worship music, right? We are on the forefront of writing the next songs, the next big albums, the next big songs for churches. We carry a lot of influence. Maybe we need to be more careful. Yeah. I think something I'm thinking about, thinking about the line, um, and I want to get your, your feedback on this theologically, but like the idea that consider Jesus didn't want heaven without us. Right? Um, no, take your time. Sorry. Um, so considering that idea of Jesus didn't want heaven without us, um, so you brought heaven down. Like, I think maybe considering that as like the only way that we would be able to be reunited with God would be if Jesus came to earth and lived a sinless life. Right. And then was that perfect sacrifice, you know, cause God's, God said at one point in the old Testament, I'm not satisfied with the blood of bulls and goats, you know, like no. it, it was alluded to something, something greater, you know, even back in Genesis when God said, Abraham, I'll provide the sacrifice, you Mm -hmm. know? Um, Mm -hmm. I think if you look at it at the like larger picture of like, um, God's personal relational aspect to us. And then the entire weight of the glory of him, like having to come down and 
be that. It's just, I think that makes the line make a little more sense for me. Yeah. And I, I I can agree with in that regard because Christ's sacrifice was, so a sacrifice had to be paid because God is the same God who demanded sacrifices from the Israelites in the Old Testament, right? And he's the same God who demanded that sacrifice in the New Testament in that it had to be fulfilled. And it never was able to be fully fulfilled. And he knew that, and even the Israelites knew that back in the day. That's why Abraham was saved as a Christian. He was a Christian because he knew that Christ was the only one that would be able to fulfill it. Now, uh, we can get into the weeds if we want later, but he was was saved in his faith that God will, will for like you said, who will offer the sacrifice, right? And that would be Christ. And so all the things that happened in the Old Testament, all the sacrifices and stuff were to model just how heinous sin is before the eyes of a perfect and holy God. And it had to happen. Payment had to occur. And so God gave them the opportunity to do that through that and always showed that you will never do it perfectly. And then he does it perfectly in his son. And so Christ didn't have to die in that sense of God could have just gotten rid of sin, but he would not have been God if he did not still require a payment for a sin. Mm. But he is incredibly gracious and kind to us that instead of putting it out on all of us that we had to pay for all our sin through death, and sorry, I'm just going to restart with another flood or some, you know, restart with another flood in quotes, whatever. He sends his son to die. He sends himself to die in our place physically dealing in he in feeling dealing with and feeling immense pain subjecting his son to the full weight of his wrath and just payment for our sin because he wanted us to share in the glory and fellowship with him right and that's good and that's kind and that's gracious but he's also but it's also just and it's also uh within his character at the same all of that at the same time and so uh, that's where I would go with the line. Let's make sure all of that's conveyed because you don't want to teach Jesus just love. Like it was all all for love in the sense of like it's me focused. It's like it's a big deal that he died on the cross. Yeah. When we, I think we just in general as a side note we lose the we lose the severity of the cross and the sacrifice. That it's beautiful, but it's ugly and it's brutal and it's bloody, and it it is incredibly intense. Uh, and that should make us worship him more fervently, mm. right? Not because we know he didn't want heaven without us, so he brought it heaven down. We, we should worship the Lord more fervently because we know God, in his kind intention, chose us before the foundation of the world and sent his son to accomplish his orchestration yeah. of salvation. And it was intense and bloody, but it was beautiful because the exchange of perfection to our sinfulness, of redemption to our damnation, right? Yeah. Is you can't, there's a reason why nothing will ever come close to Christianity. And I think when you, I love that point. I think the gospel being so central to that point really kind of is the reason they finished out the verse with my sin was great, but your love was greater. Mm -hmm. And because of that sacrifice, then what could separate us now? Mm -hmm. You know, like because of the perfection of Jesus, 
um, you know, those lines are worth singing. Amen. Um, and this conversation about the gospel and the beauty of the gospel, the fullness of the gospel is so important to have. Yeah. I, um, I think I said in a, a different uh, a podcast with Cliff when we were talking about a couple of the other songs, but I love that, um, a passion city. One of the pastors said, if you're not feeling engaged in worship or not feeling it on a Sunday morning, it's not that you need better, more, more emotional songs, more songs, better songs. You need to be pouring over scripture and scripture being poured over you. Mm. Uh, and, and, and being kind of modeling Isaiah who, when he came face to face with, with his sin, with, with the holiness of God, he realized his sin and realized there's an incredible disparity between me and you, Lord. Uh, I, and I can't, I can't bridge it and I'm, I'm undone. And then Christ goes, Nope, there's payment. It's me. You know, that's, that's the reality and truth. Let's put before our churches more. And then you'll see people changed and you'll see people engaging in corporate worship more effectively. It's not when we do the newest song. It's when we remind people and show them maybe in different ways, the realities of Christ and the gospel and how beautiful it is, but how severe it really is too. Um, and how severe the, the love of God was and the justice of God at the same time. So look at that. You didn't think you'd get that discussion out of that song. Such a beautiful <laughs> de- depiction of it though. I love it. Yeah. No. And, and like I say all the time, I mean, I'm not you, you're, you are the parent or the pastor or the worship leader at your church. You will make an account for the decisions you made on a Sunday morning and throughout the week. And as you shepherd your family and your church, not, not me, I will do it for my end and you'll do it for your end. And so, you know, I I love that because then like, I I can't just bash you. I can say that I think you or I may be wrong. We can say each other might be wrong, but at the end of the day, I stand before the Lord, not you. And you stand before the Lord, not the theology of music podcast, this little rinky dink podcast. Right. So, um, I hope that encourages you guys, you know, and I've, I've loved getting to dis- discuss things like this with you guys and other people and letting you guys hear some of my friends that I, that I differ with, but I, I will always respect and love, um, because I mean, this is the beauty of being saved by grace through faith and then given a mission while we're still here on the earth. We get to do it with other people that are just as saved by grace through faith. So I love it. Got anything else to add before we go? Dude, thanks for having me on the podcast. Of course. I love it. You so subdued. I was waiting for you to say crazy things or get nuts, but you just don't do that. No. So calm. I don't think there's any place for that. <laughs> In life or just on this podcast? Maybe. I don't know. That's a different discussion. <laughs> oh, man. That's an offline discussion. All right. Uh, well, if you guys ever have any suggestions or questions or comments, email me at theologyandmusic at gmail.com. But you guys have a wonderful, wonderful day. See you later.